Let's do this. Hello, I'm Simon Mercer. Welcome to Crave. This is the podcast and the videocast dedicated to all manner of entertainments that have captured the attention oh, yes. of Steve McKay when I lately. Steve. Now, yes. there has been entertainment. There has indeed. There has been. There's been entertainment, there's been drama. All in one evening. In the same event even, yeah. Now, obviously we're talking about Elton John. The, the first yes. and possibly well, the, the last. <laughs> it looked like it at one stage. It, we don't know. Of Elton John's concerts in Auckland. I mean, at one point, we wonder if it might be his last ever. Yeah, this is the farewell tour anyway. Indeed. A very long farewell. Yeah. And as I'm sure you've all seen, he had to leave the stage early. He yep. was unwell. He was led off stage. Yep. Needed medical assistance during the, the one and three quarter hours or so he yep. did. And there's been a lot of talk about that since both Steve and I were there. We're going to have a lot to say about that. But I think we do need to talk. I think it's only fair that we talk about the music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> I think that. Because the music was why we were there. And the music was remarkable. But nevertheless, let, we, we're going to dissect that we one shall, at we shall. great length. We shall. It was, um, yeah, we'll, we'll leave that to, to get to the, the meatier part of the discussion. Also, a film. Absolutely, yes. The Oscars have come and gone. As uh, they do. And perhaps a surprise for some, a film that's only just arrived in New Zealand, it's been yeah. around overseas, the, the best picture winner was from Korea. Best director as well. And best director, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Absolutely. Uh, a film called Parasite, a really scathing, I suppose you'd call it a black comedy, but yeah, there'd be different words you could use to describe it. Yeah. Um, I suspect Steve and I are not going to have exactly the same view on this, so that will be a good discussion. Yeah, qualified praise for that one. Okay, all right. Qualified all right. praise. Um, now, uh, um, you just back to music for a second. Absolutely. Uh, you, we're going to also talk about uh, Elton John, another big, big name, is Queen. And, you, and yes. you saw them on their most recent trip. And, and again, there, there should be qualified praise there, too. Oh. And, then, and then we'll go back to you for a bit more film. <laughs> yes, this, we're, this, this, we're yeah. popping around the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but this time we're getting, we're getting a French romantic. Uh, yes, well, we were a foreign film from Korea, a foreign film from France. It's a romantic comedy called La Belle Epoque. I really enjoyed it. Yes. Even though it's a romantic comedy and you know there's a formula to romantic comedies, yeah. it's the telling of the story. Isn't it just? Yeah. And then, I, and then just to wrap things up, yes. just to leave a sour taste in everybody's <laughs> mouth, we've got birds of prey. But let's start with the quality entertainment. And seriously, yeah. I think that's where we need to start here, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So this we're talking about Sir Elton John. Yeah. This is a farewell tour that's started in late 2018. Wow. It's meant it's meant to finish at the end of this year in London. Something like something like 300 shows. That's one hell of a farewell. He got to Auckland. The first of his uh, three scheduled shows in Auckland at Mount Smart yeah. Stadium. And let's be fair, he's already played in Dunedin. Yes. And in Napier. And then jetted off. Didn't he to the Oscars and LA? Oh yes, he did, didn't he? Yes, just nipped off to pick up a quick cheeky Oscar like you do. <laughs> yes, yes. Then jetted back over That's here. That's right. And perhaps unsurprisingly, Steve, quite early on in his yes. set, he says, "I'm not too well." Um, yeah. I mean, quite frankly, at 72, 73 years old, yeah, with that kind of schedule, who wouldn't be? I was, I was talking to uh, a friend this afternoon who is um, an exercise 
physiotherapist. She right. specialises in in recovery. Right. And she was saying, at his age, he should be doing. He should be going to a city, playing no more than three shows in a week. Yes. He should be sitting down with his feet up and a cup of tea between <laughs> shows. <laughs> at his age, he said, "That's what I would be advising him." She said, yeah. and, and I think she's probably about right. Yeah. But as you said, yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah, he is. So, so. Um, Steve said, you know, we, we need to talk about the music. There's lots of things that happened about him being unwell, requiring attention during the show, and eventually having to cut it short. And people, uh, if they were expecting, and if they looked at set lists from earlier in the tour, they would have realized that probably he was going to play around about 25 songs, yes. and it was probably going to be about three hours worth. Two and a half, three hours. Two and a half, three. Yeah. That didn't happen. No, it they didn't. got about, what was it, one and three quarters? I'd say about one and three quarters all up, yeah. About so he got six, like 16 songs? 16 songs I think he got through. And let's look at the songs he played. Yes. We have got Tiny Dancer. Mm -hmm. We have got um, Border Song, yeah. which, as he pointed out, Aretha Franklin covered. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't get much higher praise no. than that, do you? Um, we we right. did get, unfortunately, we also got Candle in the Wind, which... <laughs> It, it's, it's a dreadful song, but he would have got lynched if he hadn't yeah. played it. We've got other songs like Philadelphia Freedom, oh, Benny, yes. Benny and the Jets. Which he opened with, yes. Which he opened with. Um, uh, and and uh, some of the Love Lies Bleeding. Oh, wasn't that incredible? Yeah, yeah. Oh, dear Lord. I mean, it's a long song on the record. Yes. But he spun this out. This is Leave On. Yeah, yeah. Spun these out. It's like 10 minute rock wig outs. Yeah, yeah. Man, they were amazing. So, and the thing, like, I, I, the thing that really struck me about this was he must have decided i was this is my thought process yeah. after steve he must have decided okay i'm not super well i'm going to tell everyone i'm not super well what am i going to do am yeah. i going to throw myself into it and give it the best i can and see how long i last yeah or not or just try and coast yeah and try and get through my three hours or whatever yeah. and he took the former decision and i think the absolutely right one because it was he went for it. Well, what would you have preferred to see, let's be fair? Do you want to see Elton John being Elton John for an hour and three quarters? Yeah. Or do you want to see Reg doing a <laughs> half ass going through the motion yeah. show for three hours? Yeah. Do you want to see some amazing songs yeah. or a load of okay songs? Yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no contest in there. No, there isn't really. No, is when, when you frame it like that. No. And, and I would, you know what, I have, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I've always liked his great songs. I, have, I would not have called myself a huge Elton John fan. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed what he gave yeah. that, that night. I, I, it felt to me that he was really into it. He was really committed to the songs and to his performance. Um, you could, I think, having told us early on his voice, you know, that he wasn't super, mm. super well. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of high notes that he just let the band get there for him. Uh, on yeah. songs like Rocket Man, I, I noted. So you've got your, John Marne was his percussionist yeah. and backing vocalist. And yeah, yeah there are moments when, when Marne's sort of like, he's hitting the high notes yeah. that Elton just... To be fair, I don't think it's even an illness this year. I think yeah, he's 72 years old this yeah, year. Yeah, probably. But um, I thought his voice was really good, really strong. Um, it just um, felt... it's that He's got one of those voices, that, you know, you think of him maybe as a pop rock singer. But when you hear him live, he's got that soul in there. There's a lot going on in There's that. There's a lot going in that voice. And I re the band was great. And it, I, I they really... I David think we David have David. to mention the band in particular. I mean, first of all, the guitarist, Davey Johnston. Yeah. For, like I say, songs like Leave On, yeah. which is just a nice little piano. Yeah. It was a great song. Yeah. But, but when you, if you just listen to it casually, you hear a bit of piano, a bit of singing, and you move on. Yeah. Right? On stage, it was a 10-minute workout yeah. with 
seriously rocking guitars. Yeah, it yeah. was phenomenal, and, and and Elton underpinning it with his piano. Mm. I mean, the guy's knackered. Yeah, and even when he's not singing, he's working hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, yeah. really is. Yeah. Yeah, and these songs were astonishingly yeah, well really done. good. So you knew you were getting more than you would get if you'd been sitting at home listening to it on the turntable, whatever device you were using. Absolutely, and, and you, you got you got this a freshness of the approach to the telling of the song. Yeah, and it really made for a live event. Yeah, that you were there for something a bit special. In fact, I'm, here's something a bit weird. I've seen video bits yeah. from the show that we were at. Yes, and if you if you watch those those videos. He actually, his voice doesn't hold up as well on video. Okay. Doesn't, you, you start to notice. It makes you realise just how caught up in the show you get. It was such an event. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. So watching a video, you're like one step removed. Yes. But when you're there, you're amidst people. You've got the ele yeah. electricity in the air, the emotion in the air, and you're just... More so than you do get at many much younger bands' concerts. Yeah, that's probably correct. It's phenomenal. Uh, I thought, so I, I was really impressed by what he did give us. Yes. Um, and again, you've got one of my favourite bits. You, we have to mention the only rock and roll tambourine player <laughs> you'll ever see. I mean, the, the, the bloke does rock and roll um, timpani. This is John Mann again. You're no, about. no, this is the other guy, Ray Cooper. Oh, I beg your pardon. The guy all, all the way at the, the very back. back. Yes, now, yes, yes. I mean, he's been doing percussion for various bands for, for decades. The very first one I was on TV, he was doing um, backup percussion for Raikuda. Oh, okay. Um, at a, a Japanese festival where they also had um, a Japanese artist called Kino Shokichi. And they also had the Dubliners. Okay. And at the back of it, there was Ray Cooper. Okay. The guy's everywhere. He, I mean, he's barking mad. Yeah, but he's, he brings a certain energy and vivacity to it. And, yes, he um, does. Yeah, it was really good. Really he good. plays tambourine with more urgency <laughs> than anybody else. Because there's a whole band, and they're all wearing suits and ties. You've got a drummer with a suit and tie on. Look, nice little tie clip. Yes. Razor and gloves. Yeah. He had workout gloves on. I mean, this, this is a very, very polished band. Very. Which is what was required because it was an extraordinarily well done show. It really, really was. And. We got amazing songs performed with astonishing fire and passion until. Yeah. I, th I think we need to tell the story, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. So, first of all, he gives us a warning. I think it's the second or third song. Way early, early, yeah. Way early. Early. I've had yeah. this thing walking pneumonia. Yeah. I'm going to do my best. We go along seemingly okay. And then there's. You know, and he was sounding amazing. He was sounding real good. But there were perhaps a couple of little signs that he was just there were faltering. I noticed a couple of times he kept on sort of going like this with yeah. his nose as if yeah. he had to clear his yeah. brain or something. And then, um, was it the, as it turned out to be, like the third or fourth song before the end, there was quite a major stop. He, yeah, he finished. Leave on, I think he did. Yeah, and he's just turned around, back to his piano, sort of hunched over a little bit, yeah. looking a little bit. He just stood, sat there for a moment or two, yeah. and then we saw these medical staff coming on. Yeah. At least, well, two or three, maybe. Well, here's paramedic. This is something that's worth mentioning. Yeah. I, I need to call out the NZ Herald for very, very bad journalism here. Okay. Because our intrepid guest reviewer, Debbie, yes. was about five or six rows from the front. Okay. And I was talking to her about this afterwards. Yes. And what she told me, she saw, and we weren't that far from no. the stage, but, but, but she was really close. She saw um, somebody came on yep. to talk to him. Yep. Um, and then... The green uniform of a St. John ambulance. Yep. Um, yes, you could see that. Paramedic. Yes. Came on. Was talking to him, and somebody who we will assume at this point is one of the tour medics, one of the tour uh, GP, tour medic came on, took blood pressure. It appeared. Yes. 
um, and, and they conferred for a while. Mm. The Herald reported that there were stretches on stage and, and Debbie has, and like I say, she was very close to the front, she has no remembering of that. It's entirely possible one could have been off in the wings, Yes, but it was later reported that he was carried off stage. No, that's no, 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 that's no, Absolutely certainly nonsense. wasn't carried off stage. No, he was walked off. He was. So... So he goes off... And well, this... no, if you remember at this point, they sort of they oh, yeah, they sorry, mo first... mocked his brow and he played Candle in the Wind. Yes, and let's just talk about that for a second. As mm. you say, it's a schmaltzy song, uh, accompanied by these huge images of Marilyn from back in was, the day. Was that actually Marilyn? I thought it was, but I, I think it wasn't. I, my guess was that was an actress. Oh, I thought it was. I, okay. Well, whatever. It was okay. clearly meant to... Someone who was meant to be Marilyn Monroe. Uh, uh, and, uh, uh, do you know who it wasn't? Uh, who? Princess Di. Uh, correct. Mercifully. Yes. That, I would have walked out at that yeah. point. And I just, knowing at that stage, we all knew he wasn't well, right? And he, Clearly. And he was, he was going to battle on. And although his voice faltered, you know, it wasn't. It was a little rough around the edges in that song. Actually, to me, that gave the song because um, it is schmaltzy, but it oh, gave probably, the yeah. song an edge of something a little more real. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, because it is a saccharine. Yeah, and it gave it made it a bit more poignant. He, the, the the man who'd written this piece of music about this icon was yeah. himself struggling to yes. deliver the story. Yes, and it, uh, to me that. I mean, obviously he wasn't well. I felt sorry for yeah. that, but it, all, it made it a, a slightly different. That's a really interesting point. I haven't uh, picked up on that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he, he got through that. Yes, he did. Uh, then there was an. If I got this right, Steve, there was another break because there was a costume change. Now here's the thing. Yes. Was that scheduled? I don't know. Me. I mean, because normally in a Elton John's show, would you ex not expect one or two costume changes? Well, you, they, they seem within within character for, for yeah. someone of his of his reputation and persona. <laughs> yes. But if you look at say acts like like Taylor Swift. Yeah. She'll do half a dozen yeah. costume changes, but the show carries on without her. Yes. There's something to keep me distracted yes. while she's off the stage. The lights went down, there was no audio. No. We didn't know if he was coming no, back we on did stage not. at that point. So I reckon, this is conjecture, okay. completely conjecture. I reckon he went off stage and he talked to the band, he talked to his manager, he talked to his medic, mm -hmm. and they said, how are we gonna do this? Yeah. What's next? Yeah. So they came back up, if you remember then, after about three minutes, yes. with no communication to the audience, no. we didn't know what was going no, on. No, we did not. They then started playing Love Lies Bleeding. Yeah, the big orchestral, yeah. magnificent introduction. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, that song contained long instrumental passages. Yes, it did. So there were, there were, it wasn't heavy on vocal, that no, song. No, it wasn't. And so in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, is this part of his strategy that he wants to... He's choosing some material to sort of just give his voice a chance to recover. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? He just wondered about it. Got through that song. It was a tour de force in many ways from the band. It was a great well, uh, performance. I mean, on, on the record, it's phenomenal. Right. It's a big, long, it's orchestral, yeah. it's, it's, it's like a little mini rock opera. Yeah. It's yeah. an amazing song. Um, and like you say, the band went crazy. Yeah. Really worked out. And it gives him, I mean, he's playing like a yeah, madman. Yeah. Madman across the water, obviously. <laughs> but he's playing like a, playing a piano fool, but he got to rest his voice for a while. But he's still working hard. And this yeah, is yeah, yeah. he's got pneumonia. Yeah. And he's flogging his yeah. sounds on stage. So we got through that. Yes. Um, and then it's time to play Daniel. And it didn't, right, he tried, he tried, he opened well, his mouth and well, he tried. Well, if you remember, um, at one, I think it was before Candle in the Wind, he actually said, um, I'm, I'm struggling here. Yeah, I, he don't, I don't know how much I've got left, yeah. but I'll do what I can. Yeah, he did say that. 
And so when he tried to sing the first line of Daniel, yeah, pretty much all that came out was a, a hoarse sort of a whisper. And in, in fact, Debbie, our intrepid guest reviewer, was, did actually capture this on video. And so here it is. Okay. So there we, we knew straight away, didn't we, Steve, when we, yeah. we heard him try to sing that opening line of, of Daniel, that, that that was it. Yeah. Uh, and we just heard how he had to announce it to the audience. And he really, he got to his feet and, and he was seemed to be, well, not seemed to be, he was overcome with emotion just, of the he moment. He genuinely looked like he was sobbing. Quite distraught. Um, and, and I have to say to the, to, to the internal creator of the audience, um, nothing but applause. Yeah. I mean, you... People might have had some thoughts afterwards, but in that moment, how could you not feel this guy had given you all he had to give? Yes. And you can't, what more can you ask of someone uh, if they are singing until they can sing no more? And that's literally what he did. And that is did. exactly what happened then. Yeah. You can only stand and applaud him. Yeah. Uh, later on, you may have some thoughts about whether you had value for money and, and whether you were shortchanged by a promoter or a ticket seller or whatever. And that's, of course, what happened in the ensuing days. One, one or two opportunistic muppets have tried to claim that they deserve a refund, and they are wrong. <laughs> well, um, but I think I think it. Um, I should also say we should say to be because uh, we're very direct, honest, and yeah. transparent here at Crave that you and I were able to attend in a professional capacity, and we did not pay for our tickets. No, we, we were don't. given review tickets, so. Yeah. Uh, if we had forked out several hundred dollars, perhaps, maybe we'd have a different opinion. I don't know, but um, I think that you can't discount he gave all he had to give. It wasn't as long as perhaps your expectations were. But at the same time, but, you got an hour and three quarters of bloody good entertainment. He did. He did. You missed one or two of the big songs. You didn't get Crocodile Rock. Yeah. You didn't get Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Yeah, you didn't get um, a Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, obviously, my song. There were a few other songs towards the end. The Bitch is Back. The Bitch is Back. But, but, you, but you, you got a lot of good stuff. You got some amazing stuff. Yeah. And, and seriously, he would have been entirely entitled to um, turn to the audience and say, what do you want, blood? Because <laughs> seriously, he yeah. was... I mean, look, let's, be, let's be serious about this. He's unwell. Mm. He's, 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 he's sick. And as part of my day job, when I'm not... Um, doing this yes. uh, at, at my work one of, one of my functions is uh, a union rep okay. and I'm forever telling my, my comrades and brothers and sisters in the union um, if, you, if you're not well don't go to work yeah. Yeah. don't make a fool of yourself don't make yourself sick um, now admittedly they're not making the I've seen figures of 1.8 million dollars per night yes. so that show is, is, yep. is making yeah. in profit but even so you have to look after your health. It doesn't matter how much money you're getting paid. Yeah. You have to take care of your health. And it would be unfair to expect a man of his age with pneumonia mm. to do any more than he did. No, I think that's right. 
let's just very quickly, I think, so we're giving them a huge, huge tick for the performance. Oh, most and, and assuredly. The um, there's been a lot of talk about consumer rights here. Um, and as you pointed out to me just before we recorded, Steve, there was no promise in writing that the show was going to contain X number of songs or go for X number of minutes. No. But people, this show, this tour has been going on for a little while now, and people had a probably a reasonable expectation of the material that they were yep. going to expect. So later on, they may well have felt, okay, I didn't get what I paid for. That, that, some people might have had that thought. Yeah. Um, and I've been, there's been some discussion with Consumer Institute and others in the media of New Zealand for a, a day or two now over this. And um, the view's been put that, well, there's probably a legal, a legal right or to at least go back to your ticket seller and claim some compensation. I think there's been, and as in the hours before this recording, that's been um, further discussed. And I think there's been some agreement that some degree of mm. paying back may occur. I don't know the details of that, but- That's but, interesting. Yeah, but the other question might have been, you wake up in the morning, you really know you're not well. What do you do? Yeah. Do you cancel the whole thing? Knowing people have possibly not only spent a lot of money, they've, they've flown in other parts of New Zealand, maybe from outside New Zealand, they've booked accommodation. What are you going to do? Um, tell them to just go well, home. Uh, not, it's a difficult call to make. Well, here, I'll give you um, a real world example. Um, a couple that I know yeah. who saw Elton John 30 years ago right. in Auckland when they first got married are celebrating their 30th wedding anniversary mm. this um, summer and they had tickets for Tuesday night. Right. And that was going to be part of their 30th wedding anniversary celebrations. And he's now said he's rescheduling the Tuesday night concert for Wednesday night. Yes. And of this couple, the husband has a work commitment that he can't get out of okay. on the Wednesday night. And they're gutted. Mm -hmm. um, so there will be other people who, as you say, have, have, have taken time off work. They've booked flights, they've booked accommodation. Yeah. They've made plans around. A show that's already been rescheduled once, let's not forget this. Mm. These shows got rescheduled when they finally they could fit a few more dates in elsewhere. They pushed these dates back later into February. He should have played a couple of weeks ago. Right. So, it's already been rescheduled once. He's now rescheduled a second time. Um, as, as Debbie pointed out the other day, um, if you had tickets for Thursday, how would you be feeling right now? Mm. Do we think he's going to, I mean, it, first of all, will he actually play on Wednesday? Yes. I think more than likely he'll give it a go. Yeah. Will he complete the show on Wednesday? Yes. He's, he's under medication. Yeah. And what would he have left in the tank for the next night? Yeah, on Thursday, you, is it even worth going? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, if, I, if I had a Thursday ticket, I'd be really nervous about that one. Um, now, to be fair, this isn't meant to be taken as cynicism. We do wish Elton the very best. Here. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, the guy's sick. You, 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 you can't wish him. Um, yeah, no. He... Any, anything but the best. Yes, that's yeah, sure. Well, um, over the next day or two here, we will see this all unfold. But for, for now, I think we are here to review a concert we did see. Yes. And it was great. Yeah. I'm going to mention one little thing that I didn't like. Though. Okay, go on. One big reservation. And those of you who are watching this on the video will see that I'm holding up the podcast. Uh, listeners won't realize these catalogs yeah. were on our seats yes the official merchandise catalogs yes. now these are seats which if we paid for them would have been well over 250 dollars each okay and yet they're then for upsellers merch and you can buy <laughs> things like a, a through the wall mug for 30 dollars you can buy an embroidered cap for 50 dollars a lithograph 
It's a poster. <laughs> for twenty dollars, joggers, oh, okay. jogging pants for a hundred, black zip jacket for a hundred and fifty dollars. Mm. That's when you've already paid two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Up to five hundred dollars, some folk paid, yeah. and they're still upselling you merch. That just that that left a bit of taste in the mouth. Okay, fair enough. But yeah. but then having said that. Most people just bung those on the floor and just enjoyed a fantastic show. So, so we shall we shall we shall move on from that. Yeah. But anyway, so Elton John, hope you're going to get better and, and finish your tour. Hey, so um, I remember we uh, a time or two back, Steve, you and I were discussing our possible favourites and who would win and who should win over the Oscars, and I remember you saying. As long as Joaquin Phoenix doesn't win for the Joker, or Woods yeah. to that effect, and yeah, he, yeah. He, he did. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I make no, no, no claims to prescience here at all, because because I also would, I was willing to stake what little remains of my reputation oh, right. on 1917 winning Best Picture. Yeah, shows Which, how little I know. Well, that was a great film. Yes, it was. And the the film that did win was the one that's not long been released here in New Zealand. It's uh, this is the film Parasite. Um, by the Korean um, director we mentioned earlier, uh, Bong Joon-ho. Uh, and, okay, this will be an interesting discussion because I think we're not yeah. quite on the same page on this. Not quite. But that's okay. Um, it, it, it's a black comedy. Yes. We've got a, it's a story of a, um, a rich family who yes. are the, the Parks. Yes. And a poor family who are the Kims. Yes. And the, we, the story, I'm not, not going to give too much away, but basically the, the Kims uh, they're poor, but they're smart. They're street smart. Yeah. They live in a sub basement. Yeah. Um, in a big Korean city, they're always got eye out for the main chance. Yeah. And the son happens to stumble upon an opportunity to inveigle himself into this very wealthy family. Yes. He does it, and one by one, other members of his family sneak and trick their way into the good books of this wealthy family. Yes. And what ensues is an an unraveling of that relationship. Okay, that's a very delicate way of doing it. Uh, yes, I like that. With yeah. um, with significant, with very uh, devastating results. Yes, yes. Broadly speaking, I, one and this is if you've read about this film, isn't it, Steve? It's been often portrayed as a really um, a, quite a scathing commentary on, on rich and poor and social class. That's yep. how it's been framed. That's one reading of it. That's yeah, one that's reading of it. Um, it's also very, very much about family. Family, family bonds. I yeah, think okay. Yeah. Both, yeah, yeah. Both, within both yeah, of these I'll, families. I'll go with that too, yeah. Um, but, so, I really did like it a lot. You not, you're qualified, so maybe yeah. I should hear what your qualifications are. Maybe that's a good place for us to go to. Well, I mean, it, it's several different films. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I agree. Uh, and again, without giving too much away, it, it starts off down, as you're talking, this this very, very interesting, very, very well delineated, uh, nicely acted out. And, and let's face it, I mean, working in, in a language that neither of us speaks a word of. Yeah. And yet, we didn't even care about the subtitles. The acting, as far as we can tell, was fantastic. Yeah. Not a language that we're familiar with, but... You, but um, the story is very, very deftly told. Yes. The, the characters all seem to be very, the actors have wonderful screen presences. Even when you rely on subtitles, you love watching them. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's beautiful, the interplay, as you, as you say, the way that they, the, 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 the one family sort of inveigles its way into the other family is, 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 is very, very skillfully done. It's, 
It's, it's an interesting story, very, very well told. Yes. But it goes off in some unexpected mm -hmm. and very, very bizarre and possibly troubling little side... Well, tell me more about that. Actually, just We're avoiding you... spoilers here. Yeah, right? but up until that point where it does that, yeah. right, this film, because this, the, 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 uh, the Kim family are on the make. Oh yeah. It, it almost feels like a bit of a film like um, a heist movie or a, a scam movie like um, Ocean's Eleven or The Sting or you know it's like one family yeah. is going to trap another family. It has that sort of, that was how I took it. Yeah. And I think it did change its nature quite significantly. So yes. where, where did where did it go wrong or askew for you? It, it, it was when it took that, that rather abrupt left turn and you know what, you know the bit I'm talking about, after the party. Okay. Uh, after the first part, the first part, the first, the illicit party. Yes, because we're trying to avoid spoilers in this, because because there's a lot that unravels. Yes, obviously, if they simply become um, what they wanted to be, it would have been a much more boring story. Yes. It had to go somewhere. Yeah, but I, I wasn't convinced that the that the development that Yaman Bong took it on worked completely. Okay, it, it it was too much of a sort of a skidding, swerving left turn. There's one point where where yeah, one of the Kims becomes a driver. Yes, for Mr. Park, and he remarks upon how he corners very yes. smoothly. Yes, and I felt the film didn't corner particularly smoothly. Okay. Well, it felt like it was sort of cruising along, um, being sucked into this world, and then suddenly it's like over here now. And I didn't really like the way it did that. Okay, well, I, I liked it, but I can okay. tell, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and it was that element, I guess, of keeping me guessing on the back foot, and mm -hmm. I don't mind being put on the back foot yeah. where, I, where I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but you're right that it, it after that initial setup, the film veers it veer. We'll use your to use your verb. Um, it becomes a part uh, more of an out and out thriller in some respects. Okay. There's yep. tension. Yep. There's um, then you've got a um, to another um, reviewer who I've read uh, called Marie told me that and she's written about this that it almost became almost like a Tarantino at the end with the, the way some violence was brought in. I thought that was apt. To a certain extent, at the to, end, there. to a degree, yes. Okay. Anyway, uh, and um, I, 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 yeah, I quite like that because although the, the style, the genre, almost seemed to shift, the idea that there was this clash or this coming together in a very uncomfortable way of these two levels of society. Yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, that that that's the level it worked on. Yeah, and and it was quite sharp and bitter at times yeah. with the observations about um, what there's um, one little sequence where uh, I think it's the father of the poor family the Kim family, family I think it was the father might have been the mother excuse me if I can't quite got that right yeah. is saying when you're rich you can afford to be nice yes so there was a discussion around that yes they don't have to worry about scraping and to yeah. survive and, and, and fighting to get your next yeah. yes I remember that yeah you're, you're, uh, and, and, she's nice because she's rich yeah yeah yes. yeah so I thought there was a lot of really good social observation it's a different culture than ours but yeah. some of the those themes are pretty universal um, a little bit some humor as oh, well oh, some black humor um, and um, I was drawn along. I didn't mind the, sh the veering, and and I had a really interesting just a little touch at the end, which um, obviously I'm not going to tell you what it was, but it this almost there's a little perhaps a double ending there at the right at the very end, which, yeah. which, which kind of shifted the, the the sense of where the story was ending, which was quite nice. I would I actually would recommend it a lot. Um, I enjoyed it the same. You know what? 
we talked about it film um, Roma. Yes. Uh, which was a set in Mexico and it was yes. in Spanish language. And that was quite an epic. And yeah. this was an epic in a different sort of way, but also a, a look at a, another culture exploring some universal themes. I thought it was pretty good. But again, there, there was, I had the same feeling of that, of, of rather than being very, very, very heavily plot driven, yeah. it was being drawn into the rhythms of a family. Roma did it less successfully, in my opinion. Yeah. I liked the way that, that, um, that Parasite did it, that it pulled you into their world. Yeah. I think it worked better on that level, yeah. Okay, so um, I, I remain unconvinced that it's, it's uh, best picture Oscar. I do, worthy. yeah. I, I, I thought the story was um, um, of how the, the, the poor family. I tell you, sorry, I, I, I just have to be so careful how we frame yes. this scene, but I yes, just want to say one more thing about the story. Because you are led down the path of seeing the ingenuity and the cleverness of yeah. this family who have battling to stay alive yes right and it looks like the other family the rich family you know it all comes easily to them it's on life's yes. put, put them on a platter yeah i mean if you, if you remember the shopping scene for example yes. is 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 almost but not quite rather on the nose yeah and then there's a sequence where you realize that for all their ingenuity and cleverness this poor family is always going to be up against it. Yes, another scene you talk uh, about. Things yeah. just un, un, unpack in an awful way. And yeah. that was a really powerful scene. It involves uh, some bad weather, I'll say that. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's like the um, the charade of what they're trying to do has been ripped from them yeah. and they're plunged back into the misery of yes. their daily life. And that, I found that a very powerful sequence. The, the contrast with between where they were trying to get yeah. and where they actually were. And I, I have to say, I think you've done very, very well at really, really unpacking that film without, <laughs> That's with, 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 going without on. getting into too many spoilers. I think that was actually quite, quite admirable there. So <laughs> Thanks, I think you, you should be applauded on Thank that you. one. Anyway, so um, you're not going to tell people not to see it, are you? Oh, no, absolutely not. No. no. Uh, I think it was good. I think, I'll be honest, I think there's a, a modicum of Emperor's New Clothes here. Oh, okay. A little bit. It was good, but not as good as it's been made out to be. Wow. Whereas you, you clearly are quite sold. Yeah, no, I, I was. I, I, I really was drawn into it. I enjoyed it very much. Um, well, I like a good foreign film. And we're going to come yeah. to another one later on. But um, before we get there, Steve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we've, that, that was seamless. Oh, I tell you. Uh, we, that's why they pay us the big bucks. Um, Steve, we are going to bounce back to music because you, Ooh, yes. you've had a bit of a run. Not only did you see Sir Elton John... Yes. Not that long before that, you went off to see Queen, for goodness sake. The week before, at the same venue, even. <laughs> now, and oddly enough, the yes. parallels don't quite end there, of course. <laughs> no. the, these, are, these are two acts who are piggybacking on the success of films about them. Indeed. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and just as, I think most people will agree, that Rocketman was the superior film. Yes. I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah. I would say also that Elton John was a superior concert. Okay. Now, um, Queen of Mount Smart Stadium. Two years ago, I saw the same lineup at Spark Arena. Yes. Um, and about two years before that, I saw Adam Lambert, the new singer for Queen, on his own. Right. Okay. Um, at the Town Hall in Auckland. Okay. And, and I remember at the time thinking, he's a great singer, mm. he's got rubbish material. Right. 
uh, and he need he needs he needs the songs. Yeah. Well. Right? So now he's got the songs. Into Queen. Yes. Yeah. I mean, what what better songs could you ask for? Yes. And and well, I saw him two years ago, and again this time, um, he makes it very very clear. He says quite explicitly, "Let's address the pink elephant in the room." I'm not Freddie Mercury. Yeah. I can't try to be. Yeah. I'm not going to bother trying to no. be. I'm going to bring my own take to the songs. Yeah. The problem is that he is following Freddie Mercury. And Freddie's inescapable. Mm. Freddie's so inescapable, they have him all looking projector screens during the show. Ah, right. They are, they, they, they invoke Freddie Mercury Just... numerous times. Yeah. They won't let him lie. No. And then... That's unfair on Adam Lambert. It's unfair on Adam Lambert because, mm. let's face it, anybody... Yeah. would be found wanting next to Freddie Mercury. Um, and in particular, Adam Lambert, who has got the vocal range. Yes, yes. Because remember, Queen had Paul Rogers briefly. Okay, from I Freak. that, actually. Okay, yeah. He, very, very briefly in the 2000s. Okay. And for a very, very brief interlude, they even got George Michael to sing. Um, ah. I think one or two shows, it was a very, very short, one okay. little thing. And the problem with either of those two is they've got a very narrow little range. George Michael could do the, the more pop and the more, let's face it, the more camp stuff. Yeah. Uh, Paul Rogers could do the really muscular stuff. Yes. Adam Lamb can do both. Yeah, yeah. He's got the range for it. What he's, not got, what he's not got is a stage presence. Okay. He is, it, rather than being someone who can perform on stage, he will sort of clomp around a bit, find a spot to sing in, throw the odd shape, and that's it. Okay. Uh, my question hearing you say that, though, yeah. is if he's... He's doing that, and he's got a big picture of him oh, no, no, behind him. No, now. not all the time. Oh, not not all the time, okay. to be fair, no. But but it's that presence must be there all the time. Oh, he's inescapable. I mean, he even invokes Freddie's name himself. Yeah. And that's the... And the know, he's on, it, yeah. So he's to nothing I think they should make a decision to either bring... If they're going to keep invoking Freddie Mercury, have a holographic performance. Yeah. Or if you want to have an actual singer, say, this is the new queen. Yeah. And... Freddie was absolutely fantastic. We love him dearly, but we're not going to keep bringing him back to the audience's mind because it's 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 almost unfair on, not only on Adam Lamb but also on the audience because yeah. you're saying to the audience, "Who are you looking at here? Who, who's in your mind? Is it Freddie or is it Adam?" Yeah. The king is dead, along with the king. Yeah, but they're not quite willing to make that clean break. Yeah, and so Adam Lambert is is a good singer. Mm. So when he when he's singing. Um, I want to ride my bicycle. He's on a little, he's on a full size Harley Davidson at the right. stage, right. and and he, he he's got that that very 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 knowing camp edge to his voice that Freddie Mercury also did beautifully. It, it's entertaining. Yes. He just sits on a bike and sings, and the bike slowly rotates. He doesn't bring anything to it. Yeah, and then he hops off the bike and he starts doing Fat Bottom Girls. Right. Um, which again is a lovely big powerful muscular yeah. rock song, and he's got the pipes to pull that one off as well. Yeah, but he's, he doesn't. The, not, he's not got it in the in the same way that let's face it, Freddie Mercury. So the problem then is you can't review that show without inevitable references to Freddie Mercury. When you yeah. do that, all of Adam Lambert's fans are up in arms because how dare you say that he's not as good as Freddie? Well, he said it himself. And which brings us, of course, to this other point you'd like to talk about: is yes. how these hardcore, dedicated. Adam Lambert fans oh, get yes. rather upset. Oh, the Glamberts. The Glamberts. Oh, they do get upset. If you don't like your their man. And the thing is, it's not that I didn't like him. Yeah. I never said he wasn't very good. Yeah. I. But what I kept getting was, how dare you say that Adam isn't wonderful? 
Mm. Well, I didn't say all <laughs> I, I pointed out strengths and weaknesses because that's what a concert reviewer does. Yes. But but Adam is always good. But, but the concert I went to, this is what I saw. You were there. Yeah. So when I see in your comments that you know that your location is New Jersey, yeah. I'm willing to lay money that you were at the concert I was at. So yeah. don't tell me that my opinion. Yes. I suppose is you know well that's just subjective. Well, obviously that's the nature of a review. Yes. You're now telling me as a matter of fact, as a matter of objective fact, yeah. Adam is always wonderful. No, that's nonsense. Mm. And that's also, human. yeah, and also. What other concerts have you been to? Mm. I, I'm going to flatter myself that I've probably been to a wider range of concerts. I think that's a fair comment. This year! <laughs> this year! <laughs> than these people have been to. You get the feeling probably been yeah. like, Adam Lambert concerts and that's it, that's all yeah. they've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, so look at, say, I don't know, your man Dan out of Imagine Dragons. Now there's a performer. Man doesn't stop moving for the entire show. Mm. How, I don't know where he gets his energy from. Mm. Uh, Brian May. Right. is a more animated performer on stage than Adam Lambert is. Okay. Bruno Mars, Taylor Swift, any of these people, that's a show, that's a performance. Mm. Adam Lambert's not there, okay. but he has got the voice. Yeah. He's absolutely got the voice for Queen. Cool, and we better say, we we're remiss not to have said this earlier, but the review that you're talking about, yeah. of course, can be read on our um, website, cravepodcast.com. Absolutely, and there's also a load of photographs there as well from that show, and also from the, um, the, the Elton John show that's got your review as well. Yeah, yeah, cool. But also, just go back to Queen, just for a second, yeah. just one point I would make, yes. is they can't even decide his status. Oh? Because it's badged as Queen plus Adam Lambert. Right. So, yes. is he or is he not? Yeah. Is he a member of Queen or isn't he? That almost suggests, like... Um, there's going to be another guy to come along at some point to well, have a go. They were briefly Queen plus Paul Rogers. Right. I, I, I suspect that while it looks like they're sort of keeping it at arm's length, as you say, yeah. I think that what they're trying to do there is if they buy themselves as Queen, we'll get you and me to go. Yes, yeah, and if they cool. mention, but if they mention Adam Lambert, yeah, they suddenly younger. open up a whole other yeah, audience yeah, yeah. that yeah. they wouldn't have got otherwise. Yeah. And so long as they both get equal billing, mm. it's a, oh, I think it's trying to have a too much, to, you know, quit both ways, and it's probably not going to work. No, it's um, not. All I know, right. all I know is they've still got Roger Taylor and Brian May, two astonishingly talented singers, uh, musicians, and songwriters. Mm. Brian May remains one of the most amazing guitarists you will ever hear. Okay. And the songs they've got, and they've got the right man to sing them. Yeah. They really have. I'll, I, for all my criticisms of Adam Lambert, he is the right man to be singing yeah, those yeah, songs. Yeah. He's really, really good. <laughs>
alt folk band from Prince Edward Island in Canada are going to be coming to New Zealand next month for actually quite an extensive tour that's going to kick off on Sunday the 8th of March at the Tuning Fork in Auckland. And so ahead of their visit, uh, I had the opportunity to catch up with singer Tim Chasen to find out what to expect. This is Tim, how are you doing, Steve? Good, thanks. How are you today, mate? Yeah, really good, really good. And, and thanks what, for the call. Thank you, yeah, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. So where are you right now? I am actually um, in, uh, like, Makatu. Okay, and where... In you, New Zealand. I'm sorry? In Oh, you're down in New Zealand already? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I'm in New Zealand. Uh, we basically have a few weeks off, um, uh, like, these pointers from our Australian tour. So we, like... We actually go back to Australia um, in a few weeks, and then back to New Zealand. But um, my my wife and my um, and my son are with so we're, we decided to come to New Zealand for the time off. It's about like three three and a half weeks or so. Oh, fantastic! So, how are you enjoying yourself? Yeah. So far? How are you liking it so far? Yeah, yeah, I've been absolutely loving it. We're actually I'm just about landed at a little uh, good to have uh, a little picnic for uh, for the afternoon. So we're just like. Well, for someone coming from Prince Edward Island, that's very, very high praise. So thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, it's uh, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. So so let's talk about um, about your band then. So um, for, actually, first of all, before I go any further, let me just make sure I'm getting your name correct. Are we pronouncing this Chason? Yeah, yeah, like we say, uh, like chasing. Chasing, okay. Yeah, but I mean, it is original, uh, originally in a, fr- a French name, so it, uh, but it, it's totally okay because everyone says it different depending like where you are in the world. Uh, the name is pronounced differently, so it's all good. Fair enough then, and and this is a name that obviously you you share with your brother brother Cody, who's also in the band, so it's kind of important to get it right. Um, but you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cody's actually my first cousin. Oh, oh, I do. I really haven't done my research today at all, yeah. have I? I do apologise for that. Um, oh, no, it's okay. So a lot of, there might have been something put out there that, like, I, I thought I saw something too that it, it said that you my, that we were brothers. We're basically brothers. We grew up together and everything, but, um, yeah, technically first cousins. <laughs> oh, fair enough then, fair enough. So, so you're going to be in New Zealand um, touring. Um, I see your first date on your Yours to Break tour is going to be up here in Auckland on the 23rd. So tell us a bit about the album you just recorded, Yours to Break. Yeah, so we. Here is Steve. Yeah, so basically we recorded it um, uh, about a year. We started recording it about a year ago. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like, for us, it's kind of an album that we've been always wanted to do. Like, we, we started the band fairly, um, like, roots traditional, um, you know, acoustic instruments and. That was kind of how we all um, got together, like for our love of, of, of roots music and, and traditional music that from our area of Canada. And uh, yeah, and then over the years, we've, you know, we've, uh, just to provide a little bit of background, over the years, we just really like have developed the sound and, and have grown the sound for, for our three piece. And, and basically on Years to Break, it's, it, it kind of encompasses like where we are, where we're at as a band as far as like our, Contemporary influences and and our uh, and our roots influences and and the song the album is is uh, is is half vocal and half instrumental so it's 
you know, features like fiddle and, and, and tenor banjo and guitar, but um, also keys and, and uh, you know, electric guitar um, and, you know, some synths and, and, uh, and, and percussion. So it, it has... It has, you know, a dancing feel to it, but it has those moments of, um, you know, reflection and, and uh, lyrically and, and musically as well. And, and uh, but we really just, you know, made this album as a as something that reflected our live shows. Um, right. You know, trying to get that energy that we, we have in our live shows. Yeah, because I know certainly you know, the the opening single, um, Winter Green. Um, I mean, for, for yeah. a band that's tradition, been winning awards like the traditional Roots album of the year, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing, yeah, like traditional bands like The Once in there, but I'm also hearing Shades of Ed Sheeran, so that's, you're covering quite a spectrum there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, we've heard that before, like, oddly enough, but it, it's, um, yeah, I think, you know, where we, like, production-wise, um, we worked with a really great friend of ours who's, uh, who's Nashville-based um, producer, and he and songwriter you know works a lot in the pop world as well and, yeah. and but also in in the roots world so he's kind of the perfect um he was the perfect fit for us on this album and the last album because of you know sharing a lot of the same influences musically and and, uh, and really digging into the songwriting and, and 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 also making the music accessible to everyone too because it's you know growing up playing being a trad uh a traditional musician it's um you know, there. I remember as 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 a kid, it was always like some of those artists that crossed over a bit that you know really grabbed me as as a young as a young guy. And, and it's you know, folk music is uh, you know it's kind of always evolving. And I, yeah. and I and I think that's something we we try to try to grow upon as well. And just, you know, there there are it's you know, folk music can be put into a box and there can be rules, but it's uh, but for us, it doesn't seem right to just you know keep it. A certain way and, and and to grow, but but keeping in mind and, and also, you know, paying homage and respect to to the tradition that it is. No, that that sounds reasonable. Yeah, because uh, I mean, you, I mean, you, you you cover an enormous range on this album. So, so the tracks like um, is it Country Cable, which as you say is one of your instrumentals, is mm-hmm. is, is a wonderful little, little um, fiddle jig. But but you're using drum machines in the background, yeah. so that's quite the contrast. Yeah, yeah, well, uh, and, when, and when we play live, it's, uh, we, like, I play drums with my sister and, and, and fiddle and sing, and, and, uh, and Cody has, like, a synthesizer that he plays with his feet, and, and, and Jake, you know, has, has his keyboard and guitar with, you know, extra, um, you know, with a bass line coming out of, his, out of his guitar. And it's funny because recently we were at, we played a show in London, and, uh, and, you know, sometimes people will ask us, oh, you're playing to, to tracks and or you have drum tracks or, or whatever or guitar or bass tracks and, and, and we don't but it was interesting recently a, um, a guy tweeted after our show and he was a musician himself and he he put up oh I, you know I really I really like these pointers but I don't recommend going to the show because they're not playing live <laughs> and it was interesting because um he thought that we weren't actually playing everything maybe he just didn't notice what we were doing with our feet um, and we, yeah, we just found that kind of funny that, and maybe other people think that as well, but it, it's, it's something that we, you know, we record all of our parts live on the album and, and uh, you know, we do overdubbing as, well, as lots of people do yeah. on, on records, but when we play live, it's, um, everything is done completely live and, um, yeah, I guess we have all the winds busy 
<laughs> yeah, so, so, so there's no thoughts of actually maybe adding a live drummer on stage. You're happy to keep with the, with the, the drum machine? So, so yeah, like we say, it's very much traditional music. It's very, very, um, very folk oriented. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing very Celtic influences, especially in the way the fiddle's coming out. Is is that a very Canadian yeah. sound? Do you think? Yeah, I would. I would more so associate it with Eastern Canada. And I mean, the, the quick history of it is um, basically with with all the um, all the Scottish and, and Irish that landed on. In Eastern Canada, like you know, uh, there's literally boatloads of, of Scottish, in particular, that had come that had come over, like in the early 1900s. And, mm-hmm. it, and you know, being an island it, and being isolated, it, the music just was preserved. And, and the rough times of the, you know, farming and fishing are what keep our in tourism these days. It's what keeps PEI alive. So it's um, it's yeah, you know, it's not like. It, it, I mean, there's a lot of hard times. There still is, for sure, because there's not much work there. So it, music and, and dance is really what keep kept people going, and still does for the most part. So it's um, it's it's beautiful landscape, but also rough in, in a way. So it's um, yeah, that music is preserved. And, and for Cody and I, it's interesting um, because it's you know we're told that it's been it's uh, you know the seventh generation of. Um, of fiddle players in our family, so oh, it's really a, it's been a big part of our upbringing. And it's, you know, our grandfather started a, a fiddle festival, oh, wow. which is like a folk, like a Celtic festival that actually people in today. So it's um, forty-four years of a of a traditional music festival that is uh, still alive. And, and 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 the whole point of the festival is is to you know it's not, it's not a money maker, but it, but the, what the money that we do make it it goes towards teaching. Uh, anyone in the community to learn how to play and kind of just educate them in that in that regard so um, yeah it feels like a bit of a a bit of our story to, to share and to keep and just how important music is really to music and dance is to, to everybody's lives but um, no I just keep it all alive Fair, fair enough. Because I mean, like like I said before, you, I, I I do get a very Canadian vibe from the music. Um, you know, we, we actually got some some fantastic Canadian music mm. coming to New Zealand later on in the year. We have got the Cowboy Junkies coming down here in um, in May. Oh yeah, cool. Um, so, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, so there's obviously, I mean, something of an overlap in the sound there. Um, so, so let me ask you a weird question then: if you could collaborate with anyone from the Canadian music yeah. scene, who would you look for? Oh my God! There are so 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 many. Um, yes, there are. Oh God! Um, <laughs> so many names come to my head. It's there's an incredible scene within Canada for sure. There, there's like I'm sure like New Zealand, you guys probably have like your, you know, your international artists who break, and then you have like your ones who didn't necessarily, but they're, um, but they're so beloved by your country because they, you know. Um, but they didn't maybe necessarily have that. Yeah, uh, I know a band that I that is kind of no longer together because their lead singer had passed away um, recently. But they're a Canadian a Canadian treasure is um, 
a band called The Tragically Hip, and I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. Oh, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of The Tragically but, um, Hip. Yeah, there was, for, it was a massive, massive tragedy when uh, yeah. he died. Yes. Yeah, and and they're a, they're an act that you know like a a treasure for Canada for sure, and, and done well also many other many other countries. But um, that would have been for me. I feel like that would have been really cool. But um, if we're looking for like current days, um, oh gosh, there's. There are a lot, and it's it's kind of cool with the traditional side of things. Like one of, one of our favorite artists, is, um, and he's actually a friend too, that the collaboration could happen in, in the future is um, is Jewel Plaskett. Um, he's someone I'd I'd recommend for your um, you know your fan base to check out if if they haven't heard of him. Would, would you he's say a, okay? You, a you, you broke up a little bit there. You have to say that name again if you wouldn't mind, mind please. I would say Joel Joel Plaskett. So J O E L, and then his last name's Plaskett. Plastic. Okay, we, I, we will definitely see him out. Yeah. Okay, we'll definitely seek him out. Okay, so, you, so you're going to be in New yeah. Zealand, um, like I said, actually playing in New Zealand next month. You're starting in Auckland on the 23rd of March. What's on between now and then? You say you're going over to Australia? Yeah, so we have a few more weeks off, and then we, um, we're, we're to Australia for... Um, a number of festivals and, and dates and shows. And then, um, yeah, and then we, I think we start back in New Zealand on the 23rd. So we uh, come back down and then we actually go back to Australia to finish, uh, to finish the tour, um, which brings us to like the end of April and beginning of May. So we, we've been in this part of the world for, because we started our tour in Australia at the end of December at the Woodford Folk Festival. And then, you know, we went to the UK right after that for two yeah. weeks for a tour. And then, um, yeah, and then we're back. So we, yeah, we've planted ourselves over the side of the world for a few months, which has been yeah. um, awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just looking at your tour dates here. You, you are going to be busy chaps, aren't you? You're, you're finishing in, in um, Queenstown in April, then you're back off to Australia for about another three weeks, and then you're off to the UK. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. It's a busy year since we put our album. We've you know toured Canada and, and then um, kind of went right to Australia shortly after, and then. We're doing some American stuff too that hasn't been announced yet, but in in the spring and yeah, so it's busy. It's busy times, but it's uh, it's all good and, and we're fine in that balance, I think, which is you know between living a healthy life and being on the road. <clears throat> and and any thoughts of when you may get back into the studio for another album? Yeah, we well we've been pretty consistent with the with the two year cycle of of albums, but we haven't. I mean, we've, we're always writing and, and working on ideas, um, but we don't have, like, a solid date yet for, for recording, but um, we've kind of always recorded every two years, like, in, um, you know, in the winter time. so we're, we're hoping that happens again. Fair enough. Who's, who's the songwriters in the band? Are, are, you, are you claiming I'm, like, sort of yeah, joint credit for everything, or is there any particular we're all driver? The song, yeah, like, on, on the singer, but we're all, we're all songwriters, so we all collaborate... Um, Completely together, as far as tunes and, and songs go, which is which is really cool. Yeah, everyone everyone has you know full input, and and uh, and we we feel like we create best as a, as a band together for sure. I mean, we all bring ideas in and, and uh, you know sort through them and, and all that kind of stuff. But it's um, yeah, at the end of the day, it's all of our favorite ones are the ones that we all collaborate on. Fair enough. Well, listen, I'm afraid that's, that's all I'm going to have time for, for today with you. But Tim Chasen from these pointers, thank you very yeah. much for taking time to talk to us today. Yeah, 
thanks a lot for having me, Steve. Appreciate it. Thanks. Look forward to seeing you next month. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. Bye bye. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so, so not content with watching films in Korean, our our polyglottal oh, thank you. film reviewer. Yes, uh, went to see a French film. Yes, um, really on the spur of the moment. It's called La Belle Epoque. Oh yeah, it's a romantic comedy, um, and as such, I suppose all romantic comedies, you know, uh, follow a certain arc. They you do. kind of think you're going to know where you're going to end up. Uh, I'm not going to give obviously the story away too much. You're not going to be necessarily surprised by the ending, but the telling of this romantic comedy is really beguiling and entertaining, and, and is quite sharp in its uh, in its story and its script and its performances. Basically, and, and this, the premise is quite an interesting one. Go on. You've got a middle or maybe more than middle aged couple, uh, Victor and Marianne. Victor played by Danielle Auteuil and Marianne played by Fanny Ardant, and their marriage is in some difficulty, and. Their son uh, knows. And the, and we're talking about seventy-year-old. They're, they're yeah. well, midish sixties at least. Just the actors yeah, here. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're yeah. Both so they're looking on a little bit. So the son it comes up with a scheme. Um, this is paraphrasing just for the sake of simplicity. He know he knows a talented French director mm -hmm. who has a company that will put on a production uh, that you, as a member of the public. We'll go along to them and say, and you'll say, Steve, you'll say, oh, when I was back in Salford, I had this fantastic night out at a pub and um, this band played and I met this wonderful girl or something or other, and they'll recreate the pub in Salford. They'll put extras in it and people in costumes of the time. What a bizarre premise. They'll, they'll find, get people to play the friends that you knew at that time. You will go there as you, as you are now. Yeah. And you will sit down and the tableau that you have told them will play out in front of you. And you'll be drawn back into the story. It's a bit like something called playback theatre, which is a sort of a theatre sport type thing. Oh, okay. I've not heard of this. Uh, it, so, um, Victor, the, the, the husband, who's yeah, estranged, yeah. says, I'm I want to go back to when I first met my wife. Right. In 1974 or something yeah, like yeah. that. And so the director um, gives you the tableau. Right. And he chooses a, a very beautifully talented young woman to play the young wife of Victor. Mm -hmm. And so Victor is meeting this young woman again and i think i can say this because it's early enough in the story falling in love with the young woman i, I, I kind of saw that coming yes. <laughs> yeah you can see that coming but yeah, as you said earlier suddenly it's not about the destination is it? yeah it's not about the destination so so there are these um 
I, that's probably enough to say about the story, but um, it's. I, I was thinking afterwards if the Americans had told the story, it might have had a different feel to it. But the French had a. There's a lovely, um, sharp, snappy dialogue. It moves along really quickly. The actors are great. Yeah. Um, there's some good laughter, some good pathos. Um, I, I really recommend it. There was quite a full cinema when I saw it, uh, and I could tell people were just enjoying it immensely, and I did. So. It's, it, yeah. I think I think you're right. That, that it sounds like a very French story somehow. Yeah, and, and otherwise, uh, seventy year old bloke <laughs> falling for a twenty four year old woman. It's it's it, it, it's a Frenchman's fantasy, <laughs> really. Maybe not just a Frenchman, but anyway, yeah. So moving to the So that I, La Belle Epoque. Yeah, uh, I would recommend it very much. So right, and you got one another film to talk about. Well, I've got you to say recommend. Oh, okay. Because because recommending isn't going to happen here, right? <laughs> so we, so do you remember a couple of years ago we saw an absolute abomination of a film? Oh, I don't mean to say called Suicide Suicide Squad. Squad. Yeah, career Suicide Squad. <laughs> it wasn't though, was it? Sadly, it should have been, um, but it was it was rubbish. And there was one redeeming feature in it. Are you, are you going to tell me it was Harley Quinn? Margot Robbie, absolutely. Margot Robbie. She was even though I thought she was treated shabbily in the film. Yeah, I think I think the the way that Margot Robbie was treated in that film um, really really bothered me. I'm gonna I'm just gonna check the name of the director of that film because I think the way the way that he handled her mm. was was nasty. Okay. Uh, it was leering. It that's was that's right. That's right. There was a yes. There was a very gratuitous um, buttock shot or something like that. Well, wasn't there? They, they, it lingered on her ass that's way right. more than yeah, it had yeah, yeah, any yeah. business doing. Yeah, yeah. So every, every shot would result with her turning, walking away from the camera and the camera right at arse yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, Margot Robbie has a, a very agreeable arse. Okay. But it does not need to be the focus of every shot she's in. No, it, she's it, actually quite a good actress. As she's a phenomenal <laughs> as I mean, thing. She's actually, she's probably going to be turned out to be one of the best actresses of her generation. She's an amazing talent. Yeah. And then she does this. Okay. So when she was in Suicide Squad, she was actually quite good because the one redeeming feature of that film was the ensemble cast and, and so she popped up she did a bit of entertaining stuff and then she got to go and bugger off again um suddenly now she's expected to carry an entire film to give it and, and this is actually quite controversial as well at the moment its official title is birds of prey colon mm. and the fantabulous emancipation of one harley quinn right that's the euphonious and elegant title that it's being given by the studio okay. it's being marketed by some cinema chains in the US as Birds of Prey colon Harley Quinn. I'm sorry, oh, the way around, Harley Quinn colon Birds of Prey. Okay. Right, because it's, I mean, that, that full title is rubbish. Yes. And Birds of Prey. So that, that Birds of Prey tells you there are, she's not the only female character in, it's a bit of another ensemble, isn't it? I've well, seen the trailer. Well, you see, this is, this is one of the big problems with it. This is one of the big problems. It starts off, it's just about her. Okay. Just about Harley, um, and and you've got her doing this this very very overly mannered mad persona, and and she talks in this very angsty sort of New York way that's a little bit infantile at the same time, mm -hmm. which is kind of annoying. And so there's a lot of voiceover. She's saying, and and then after the Joker died, I no longer was with Mister J, right. and. There's repeated callbacks to a character who doesn't appear in the film anywhere. So you have to you have to know a little bit about yeah, yeah. the fact that, that she was once enthralled to uh, the, Joker. the Joker. 
But we never meet the Joker mercifully because no. oh god that was dreadful in in the first film. Um, but it's this time around, she's now trying to make a, a thing for herself, but she falls in the, into the thrall of Roman Sionis, right. played by Ewan McGregor, Ewan McGregor. which he, uh, and he's, he's somewhere between Rob Lowe and Don Johnson, um, but creepier than the two of them put together. Okay. He's actually not too bad, but uh, she ends up in thrall to him. You've got um, a young girl who, for reasons that would take far too long to explain, has swallowed a diamond. Yeah, and she, okay. she's actually great. Cassandra Kane is the character played by um, Ella J. Basco. Mm -hmm. You've then got um, Rosie Perez plays Renee Montoya, who they actually point out that, that she is every cliched New York cop. Okay. To the extent that, that they actually point out that, that she can only get things done once she's been suspended and she's handed over a badge and a gun. <laughs> so they actually point out how cliched she's meant to be. So they're kind of doing it tongue in cheek. But um, the, there's also uh, a character who is variously referred to as the Huntress and the Crossbow Killer. Okay. And these characters weave around each other and never really quite connect okay. until the very, very end. Oh, okay. When they finally decide that they're going to be the Birds of Prey. So, can I just ask a question here? Because You, you we, can, I can't guarantee I'll no, answer well, it. Because, we, because we, we mentioned the Joker earlier on, and the Joker yeah. is another character from the same DC universe. Correct. Uh, and whether you like... Joaquin's performance or not, that was a very, very dark reading of Ooh, that character. Pitch, pitch, pitch black. God, yes. The trailer that I've seen of Birds of Prey appears to be, appears to be keeping some element of darkness, yeah. but also some scatty kind of it can't, uh, humor. It can't decide, that's the uh, problem. Uh, it, it won't, it, 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 it's never as dark as Joker. No, I, well, listen, could, could I've, I've seen tar that's not as dark as <laughs> to, to be fair. Um, okay. Northern Norway in the middle of the night wasn't as dark as Joker. Right. But, um, oh yeah, hi to all our Norwegian listeners, <laughs> yes. just, just to get that in there, right? Uh, but, you well. yeah. <laughs> but but you, you, you've got, um, this time, instead of having, like I say, a very leering male director, you've got Kathy Yan as a director this time. Yeah. And, and she treats her characters with more respect, treats yes. her actors with more respect. Right. Um, and also, the Christi Christina Hodson is the writer. But what they've done is that they can't decide what the tone's going to be. Yeah, yeah. It, it starts off, like I say, you, you've got Harley doing her, everything's mm. hyped up mm. to extra, extra crazy kind of thing at the beginning. It looked, it looked was it camp? Because the trailer made it look a little bit camp at times. At times. So so when she's doing her voiceover stuff at the beginning yeah. of the exposition, you've, you've got cartoon insets into the screen. Yeah. Um, there's, there's one bit, and, and I, 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 I don't think this is too much of a spoiler, because it's not really plot critical, but there's one bit where she decides she's going to go and shoot up a police station, so she takes in a, a shotgun, but it shoots out glitter. And I think that okay. might be in the trailer. Yeah. But you can't decide then. Are, are they trying to soften the violence? Are they trying to cartoon the violence? Because in other places, it's actually quite nastily graphically violent. Yeah. And so it can't decide. No. See, that glittery stuff made me think of the actual TV, 1960s, very camp TV show. Yeah. The, Except that you're, you're supposed to imagine that this is somehow metaphorical yeah. um, killing of, of uh, police officers in a police station. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one bit where there's a sort of a 1950s Hollywood song and dance routine. Exactly, okay, yeah. that was a raise of the eyebrows yeah, if, you, it's, if you, you were listening. You think Parasite swerves? <laughs> oh, this thing, this thing goes all over the place okay. without actually going anywhere. So I, t I took with me um, a friend who um, 
desperately wanted to see this film. Oh, okay. She said that she absolutely loved the first film, right. which kind of made me worry, to be fair. Yes. Question her judgment right there. She <laughs> said she loved, she loved um, the characters of Harley Quinn and the Joker in the first film, and she couldn't wait to see where okay. this one was going. She okay. was really excited. And about two thirds of the way through, she leaned over to me and she said, it's not really going anywhere, is it? Mm -hmm. I said, no, it's really dragging. And and so it wasn't. It's not just me being snotty about this film. Yeah. Um, well, if you can't decide what, what what your tone is and what your your sense of the film is, then you're no. in big trouble. No, and that and that ultimately mm -hmm. was the problem. Is it didn't know from one scene to the next what film it wanted to be, and there were moments when it was kind of okay. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't unmitigatedly dreadful. Yeah. But it was never particularly um, good. Yeah. Either. Yeah. Right. I mean. It, it was not as relentlessly awful as as Suicide Squad was, but then let's face it. I mean, coronavirus isn't as unmitigatedly awful as oh. as um, Suicide, Squad. Suicide Squad, which was just unforgivable. It was woeful. This is merely yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the way you, you put too much energy into yeah, it doesn't deserve that much, to be honest. Um, okay, and okay. It also, like I say, it's not the ensemble that it makes itself out to be yeah, yeah. in. Okay. in, in Alright, so look, you know what? I wasn't that keen. I wasn't. I saw the trailer and I thought, yeah, I'm not so sure about that one. Listening to your cogent analysis, yeah. I'm inclined to give it a miss. Well, I'll tell you, there's one, one bad sign. Yes. That you know, the, we go to also the, the preview screenings yes. where they lay on sort of hospitality and stuff, right? Yeah. Now, do you remember before we saw, when we saw Richard Jewell? Mm -hmm. Do you remember what they provided? I think it was some popcorn. Yeah. And, and yeah. Yeah. For for Birds of Prey, yeah. open bar, ice cream, uh, popcorn, you name it. Okay. What does this tell you? They're desperate for a good review. <laughs> if you have to get if you have to get your audience licked up before you let the screening, it's not a good sign. And there were people howling with laughter. Okay, but but yeah, okay. My my, my, my friend and I were not among them, so okay, that's not, not a right. good sign. Okay, so that you know, you know, enough of living in the past. Okay, good, lovely. That's very very quick word about what's coming in the near future. Yeah. Okay, please. Yes. So so the the the, the we've mentioned this already actually. It's worth mentioning because we still do actually have a couple of free tickets to give away. Okay. Well, let's uh, definitely mention. Yeah. yeah. White Snake and the Scorpions. Okay. Um, bit of bit of hair metal from the nineteen seventies and eighties are going to be. Um, at Spark Arena in Auckland on Thursday the 27th. It's mm -hmm. not too late. If, if you're listening to this uh, and it's not Thursday the 27th yet, it's probably not too late to go to cravepodcast.com and enter to win free tickets for that show. Okay, good. We've got a couple of pairs of free tickets to give away for that. But the big, big one, and I don't, I don't um, I'm trying to remember if we've mentioned this before, I don't think we have to mention it again regardless. Yes. I don't know if this is necessarily your tempo, Simon, yeah. but, um, these are acts that I've seen myself in New Zealand in the last couple of years. We've got Weezer. Mm -hmm. I've Weezer. Yeah, yeah. They opened for the Foo Fighters a couple of years ago. Right. We've got Fall Out Boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Open, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. They, I saw at one of the big, sort of, everybody, at, everybody from anywhere festivals at Mount Smart a couple of years ago. Okay. And then Green Day. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yep. They were in Auckland about 18 months ago. Okay. And they put on a fairly good show. And they've also got some special guests, the Beths, who were at uh, Laneway this year. Ah. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely... Um, um, and that venue is? This is going Western to be... Springs, is it? Or? No, this, yeah, this, this is actually going to be... Well, first of all, it's going to be Forsyth Bar Stadium in Dunedin on November the 20th. Right. 
And then it, it sounds like a Western Springs show, doesn't it? So, well, when you get those multiple X off and... It, yeah. Maybe. Anyway, okay. But it's going to be Mount Smart Stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah, and that's going to be Sunday the 22nd of November. Okay. Um, now, the, 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 the lower end of the bill, yeah, not bad, but Green Day. So I saw them about 18 months ago at Spark Arena. And they do put on a, a yeah. jolly decent they, show. They're still three-piece, aren't they? They're three-piece, yeah, is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and the song American Idiot remains as troublingly prescient. It's <laughs> not going away. And, 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 and curiously, Excellent. they're playing right around the date of I the election. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I stole that one from you. Yeah, no, no worry. No yeah. Worry. Okay, very good. Oh, that's worth mentioning for sure. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. cool. So that, that's what's coming up in the very Right, so... That and lots of other and very juicy information about tours and of course all our reviews and concert photography, Steve's work, um, Elton John and other shows is at our website, cravepodcast.com. So if you've got any comments about any we talked about, if you've got any feelings about how Elton John should have mm. handled his reschedulings, if you want to tell me I'm wrong about Adam Lambert, you wouldn't be the first, but I'd love, <laughs> but I'd love to hear it. Yes. How do people get hold of this, Simon? Well, there's a, a number of ways, Steve, but uh, the, the, the old-fashioned email, I suppose you can say email's old-fashioned these it days. It is these days, uh, yes. Podcast at cravepodcast.com. Yes, if, if you're feeling a bit more modern, we're all over the socials, at Crave Podcast. Lovely. Okay, hey, thanks for listening and watching. We've enjoyed our discussion of Elton and other matters this it's, evening. It's been fun. Uh, and we'll see you again. I'm Simon Mercer. I'm Steve McCabe. That's what's been entertaining us this week. It certainly is.